Thanks for tuning in to a Healthy Dose of Dialogue podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Tanucci, Senior Vice President of Growth at Blue Shield of California. My guest today is Dr. Michael Penn. Dr. Penn is the founder and managing director of Help Equity Ventures, which advises and supports startups and organizations committed to achieving health equity for all, particularly populations underserved by the current healthcare system. Dr. Penn is also the founder and CEO of Penn Consulting Partners, a member of the Board of Trustees of Dignity Health, St. Francis Memorial Hospital, as well as an author, investor, and technology evangelist. We invite you to check out other episodes of Healthy Dose of Dialogue. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes or Spotify, or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dose of Dialogue. Thank you, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome, Dr. Penn. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the invitation to be here. I'm looking forward to uh, our conversation. Well, hey, I'm really looking forward to this conversation as well. Uh, you and I have had a chance to connect on a couple other occasions, and uh, you're just uh, somebody that's doing some really interesting work. Um, you've got an impressive background, and you know, on your LinkedIn profile, it, it catch my attention that you call yourself a wise counselor who integrates life experiences and self-awareness to constantly enhance your judgment. Uh, what were some of those formative life experiences that made you passionate about entering the field of medicine and healthcare? Wonderful question. Um, I mean, I think the, the most personal to me was, so I'm a San Francisco native, so I grew up in, in the city and I grew up in the Kaiser healthcare system. Um, and I, from the age of about three onward, I had really, really extreme allergies. And the impact of those allergies was um, a really often disfiguring uh, rash, you know, kind of typical, the technical term is atopic dermatitis or eczema. Um, and I had it really bad. And, you know, I, you know, experienced a lot of the healthcare system, more of the healthcare system than I wanted to. Um, as a kid. And, um, you know, I experienced great dermatologists and I experienced awful dermatologists and I experienced, you know, the fear of, you know, at a, as a kid, right, that as soon as you see a needle, you, you run in the opposite direction. Um, but, you know, that was kind of my immersion really personally in the, in the healthcare system. You know, and then there were things like, family members who were diagnosed with cancer. You know, my mom, just as an example, um, was diagnosed with brain cancer and passed away in 2004. And so I got a chance to experience her passing um, in the UCSF system and hospice. And so I got a chance, right, to have the personal experience on the other side, right, with my mom. Um, you know, my son, Brandon, who's 10, uh, is he on the autism spectrum. And he was born with uh, a congenital um, condition that required surgery within hours after he was born. And so I got a chance with him to, you know, experience the NICU. Um, you know, healthcare is personal, right? It touches all of us. Um, I had a cousin who was diagnosed with uh, HIV um, decades ago. And so, you know, I've, I've really seen a lot um, and experienced a lot. Um, and then the last piece I'll say is, you know, as a college student, I had the great pleasure of working at the National Institutes of Health over a summer. 
and I was working in a laboratory in neurodegeneration. So looking kind of at the genetics of neurodegenerative disease. And at the end of this experience, all of the students who were doing research there that summer presented their research as, as in an ending um, poster session. And this was at the NIH main hospital. So we were presenting our posters, but patients were kind of coming in and out. And I'll never forget a guy from North Carolina who was walking through the lobby. He looked at my poster. He saw the word genetic in the title and he came right over to me and was fascinated with what I was doing. And he shared with me that he had a rare genetic disease that scientists and the doctors at NIH were trying to understand. And it meant everything to this man, that there were people working to help him, right? To help figure out the science, to help him clinically. You know, he uh, recounted a pretty awful clinical course with this, his particular disease that was heartbreaking. And yet I'm looking at this man in the eyes and he has a light and a shine to him that was the result of really feeling um, and experiencing being supported by the healthcare system. So, you know, among many things, but th the energy of that man um, really changed my life for sure. And so I knew that on some level, I wanted to be deeply involved in healthcare. Um, and through his perspective, I ultimately decided to do the MD PhD, to pursue both an MD and a PhD, because I saw the power of combining um, approaches to, to improve disease and improve health. Um, and I think today with technology where it is, right, the ability to combine uh, disciplines is even greater uh, and I think has a bigger impact. Wow, thanks for sharing that. Um, when you were a kid and you mentioned dealing with, uh, you know, the healthcare system, you said that there were you know, great dermatologists and awful dermatologists. And then when you talked about your family and others, and I'm sure there's there's quite a bit of, you know, really good that you've seen in the healthcare system and really bad. Um, just out of curiosity, what what was would you have defined as a great or what what's worked really well? And then I'm going to kind of ask you know, the flip side as well, if you could just say kind of what's broke um, still. At the end of the day, no matter what technology we have at our disposal, what data we have, there are people interacting with people. And the best of healthcare for me has always been when the folks that I'm interacting with connect with me as a human being, right? I see that you're scared. You must be, you know, they, they anticipate what I might be going through. They create space for me to be human, <laughs> to be scared, to be apprehensive, right? So, so that's the best of healthcare, and, and I really think that you know the times that we exist in today are such a reminder of, of how important that focus is, right, on uh, connecting as human beings. And then, you know, I think the the worst can also fall under the umbrella of when we lose touch with that sort of primacy of, of our humanity, right? And that looks like, well, this is the way we've always done it. That looks like being overworked and distracted, right? So you're not present with 
a patient or even with colleagues, right, that you work with. Um, and so, you know, I, I think this time is really an opportunity for us to slow down, um, to prioritize self-care, to take a look at the obstacles that prevent us from really kind of recognizing that shared humanity and making decisions from that place versus from fear or jealousy or zero-sum, right? I, th I think there's a whole psychology to the busyness, to competitiveness um, that I think we're seeing can be really counterproductive, right? And if there's one thing that, that I think the pandemic has taught me um, is that I need a much more healthy um, buffer <laughs> margin for, right? So, um, because anything can happen. And, and so I'm, I'm really trying to develop myself and the companies that I work with and clients um, to really embrace the unknown. There are so many more unknowns today, right? The pace of the, even the, what do they call it in the consulting speak or the strategy speak, the number of unknown unknowns is increasing exponentially, right? To the extent that you can be resilient, to the extent that you can trust your intuition because we're not gonna have all the, you know, despite the fact that we have access to more data than ever, I also remind entrepreneurs to trust their instincts and their intuition. And it's the combination to me of those two things, right? That human-centered intention, the, um, the, the subtle clues that we get from our intuition, uh, and, and coupled with data, I think is really powerful. And this is the thesis behind health equity ventures, right? In terms of the people we will invest in, the companies that we'll invest in. I know you'd probably agree that technology can enable that. As a nation, have we made progress in terms of leveraging and harnessing technology to truly focus it on that personal touch, that human-centered design? Or is there a whole lot more work that needs to be done in that category from your perspective? Yeah, the latter. I mean, I, I think, you know, everything is iterative, right? We have amazing tools at our disposal today. We've got amazing designers um, who are thinking inclusively, um, but we're learning as we go. Um, and so I do think there's a long way to go, but I think we're also making really, really good progress. What I'm really grateful for, and I think healthcare can, can do a lot more of this, right? But if you look at what's happened in the tech space, right? The consumer or the customer has been elevated. There is no more important entity stakeholder than the customer. And if we serve the customer well, right, we'll create great products, et cetera. Um, when I used, I worked at Genentech, and one of the things that uh, Art Levinson, then the CEO, and Sue Hellman um, used to say is if we do right by the patient, we'll be successful as a company. And I truly, truly believe that. Truly, truly believe that. Um, I think there's an opportunity now to be more specific in terms of who that patient is, right? And to be more inclusive, right? We, there's work to be done in, in terms of creating solutions that work for women, work for the elderly, work for low-income populations, populations of color. Um, so I think, you know, we're, we're learning that, especially through the pandemic, you know, that we, we can't ignore the various groups, right? We're, we're, we're all interconnected in a way that I think was highlighted by the, this pandemic. You know, I know you and I have talked a little bit in the past, and, you know, one of the reasons that I work at Blue Shield of California, having been in healthcare for a long time, 25 years and other health plans, is really our North Star as a company is 
healthcare that's worthy of our family and friends and sustainably affordable. And what I love about that statement and where really what brought me there is, and it's just basically everything that you said, if you truly think about healthcare um, that's worthy of your friends and your family, you can see where we do hit the mark for yourself and you can see where we're off. And so I love yeah. kind of how you shared those stories because, you know, um, having that type of a simple statement yet profound to where we need to move to is is everything, you know, if, from my perspective. So um, you also mentioned something around, so the pandemic, um, there's a huge focus uh, across the country, employers and individuals around mental health. <laughs> Um, yes, it's been, it was even before the pandemic, it was a big area of focus. So you mentioned resilience being important, but like on a personal note, what do you, what do you do or what do you advise folks to do what you said? Hey, embrace the uncertainty, the unknown unknowns, but, but build that resiliency or maintain it. Yeah. So I have a, a statement that I, a phrase that I use, um, and it's redundancy of self-care, right? So we often think in silos, right? So oh, I need some exercise or, you know, I need to eat better, but it's like you need to exercise and eat better and meditate and see a therapist and get sleep, right? And see your friends, right? Build positive relationships. And so, you know, I often invoke my status, if you will, as a scientist to remind people that, you know, the most important pathways in biology in our bodies are redundant, right? Meaning that it is rarely just one single pathway, right, for something that's critical. There are multiple ways that you can create that action or enable that endpoint. Um, and so I think I encourage people and I myself, right, to to do the same thing because, right, there will be another pandemic. There will be more fires in the Bay Area. There will be things that we can't anticipate that that stretch us. And if we're burning the candle at, at both ends, we're less able to respond. And I think that's, um, you know, we, we need to tap into the best of our capabilities when it comes to solving these difficult problems. And you can't do that if you're burned out. I, I think that's, that's really well said. And, you know, just the environment today for a lot of folks, you know, either newly working from home or working from home, maybe they had done that before, but it's very different now because everybody else is working from home and the amount of time on screens and virtual nonstop WebExes and calls and, uh, and video calls, it can, it can start to, uh, you know, take its toll. And we're seeing surveys and other indicators that are showing that. Um, even for myself on a personal note, I was definitely one of those folks that would get up in the morning and probably within three minutes, I was looking at my phone and checking emails and, and getting right on. And I've, the past few months, just, hey, I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna sit down and read a book, a physical copy of a book and just kind of ease into my day that way. And that's made a difference. So I, I love what you said around redundancy of self-care because it's, it's all those things in combination, sleep, eating right, you know, that, that builds uh, and, and it helps you maintain that. That's really well said. Uh, I wanted to turn to your work at Health Equity Ventures. Uh, it's really incredible, some of the work that's going on there and what you're focused on. Can you give folks just a, a high level overview of what you're focused on with Health Equity Ventures? At the simplest level, Health Equity Ventures represents a fundamentally different approach to 
healthcare investing. And that is that there is tremendous value to be created by focusing on serving populations that are, are thought or were once thought to represent poor quality business opportunities. It, it also focuses on including entrepreneurs that don't necessarily fit the traditional Silicon Valley patterns. People of color, people from less recognizable academic backgrounds, um, et cetera. I'm reminded of how in my academic training, how quickly people, faculty, scientists would say, oh, that'll never work, right? One of the things that, one of the areas in biotech where that was said was monoclonal antibodies. Oh, those will never work. And then I worked on the Herceptin marketing team, which is one of the most famous monoclonal antibodies and you know, had the great fortune of running advisory boards with community oncologists who were using the product and hearing from patients who received the product and whose lives were saved by that product. And I remember people saying, oh, well, you know, you can't, monoclonal antibodies will never work. Um, a targeted therapy where you're intentionally limiting the population who might receive that product, receive that drug, you know, that'll, you know, Herceptin was a one-off, right? That, that won't happen again. And yet we've seen the explosion of personalized medicine. So, you know, what I get excited by is building a firm like Health Equity Ventures, you know, with this in mind, which is to say, you know, innovation happens when people hear, <laughs> oh, this will never work. And they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to try anyway, right? Because this is either important to me um, or because this must be done. And I think um, what is absolutely clear to me is that we have to do things differently in healthcare, right? We have to do things differently in our society. Um, and this is, this is my attempt. What's an example of something maybe that you're excited about right now? Uh, could you give an example of an area maybe where you're focused on with health equity ventures uh, in terms of capability? Yeah, I think yeah. Absolutely. So um, one of the deals we're working on um, and that we're really excited about is a company called Sarah Prognostics that has a molecular diagnostic that predicts um, moms at risk for preterm birth. It's an example of a cutting edge approach, impacts everyone, but certainly preterm birth disproportionately impacts low income women, women of color. And so it's a great example of hopefully expanding or flipping the paradigm, which is to say, let's bring innovations, right? Cutting edge innovations to the most vulnerable first, right? Or also, and you know, I, I have to say um, just a plug for uh, some individuals. There was a company that I advised a few years ago called Human DX, and it's a, a healthcare startup with an AI platform that helps healthcare providers, uh, physicians, at least initially, um, crowdsource information about how to solve challenging clinical cases, right? So it's a natural language processing platform. You can upload the features of the case that you'd like input on. And within a short period of time, physicians from all over the world can help 
you solve your case. And they were a, you know, kind of came out of Y Combinator, you know, the traditional Silicon Valley um, lineage, if you will. But the founder, Jay Komarnani, said, you know, I want to have our platform accessible to Medicaid. And so he took some portion of Series A dollars, created a nonprofit organization, licensed the technology to that organization, right? Partnered with a bunch of, actually, um, yeah, partnered with a bunch of um, nonprofits and healthcare systems to say, look, we have this this tool and we want to make sure that, that it, it's inclusive. And so, I mean, in, in large part, they were huge inspirations to me, you know, as I thought about building health equity ventures. They, they were kind of the, the seedlings, if you will, um, that really inspired me. What's next on the horizon for health equity ventures? Is it, is it just kind of more of the same here where you continue to just relentlessly focus on this type of work? Or is there any sort of um, new learnings or new avenues you're taking with health equity ventures that you could share? Yeah, so a couple come to mind. So um, one is, I, I think, the relationship between um an investment firm and a health plan or a health system, I think should evolve, um, particularly as it relates to supporting vulnerable populations. And so we are certainly in discussions with a number of um, health plans and health systems uh, around that. Um, I think the other possibility is looking at other models where innovation is needed, but the market has the market factors or the incentives haven't yet aligned, and, and so in, in this respect, the FDA is quite um, instructive um, with their rare disease programs, with their um, priority voucher system, uh, and so soon you will see a proposal from Health Equity Ventures around how we might leverage some of those concepts um, in novel ways. Uh, to support vulnerable populations? Can we promote innovation? Can we link improvements in health outcomes for vulnerable populations to, as an example, awarding um, a priority review voucher, right, um, from the FDA uh, that might help create the right economic incentives to promote um, and sustain progress in health equity and, and innovations for vulnerable populations? Related to vulnerable populations, one thing I think you'd agree on is the pandemic has really exposed some of the disparities in healthcare um, around from a diversity inclusion standpoint, uh, certain populations that may have already been not faring as well in healthcare um, take more of a hit, if you will, in, in a time like this with the pandemic. And I did have a chance too, to listen to, you know, launch bio where you moderated um, a, a panel on a seat at the table learning from black entrepreneurs, investors, and executives. And, you know, the dialogue there was was uh, was really amazing. And you had there were some great guests on that. What, you know, from a from a high level perspective to, to the extent you can, what what do you think is happening and needs to shift um, as it relates to uh, making sure that we can have equitable health care 
And do you, I guess, do you agree first that he, the pandemic has really started to expose the the fact that we're not on, a, on an even playing field and not even anywhere close to it? You know, it's it's obviously complicated, um, but it's also simple, right? And and I think that the simple is that the pandemic really has right. It slowed the entire world down, and from my perspective what I've seen is that evidence that we've all been too distracted, right? So whether it's violence perpetrated by law enforcement, when we slow down, the things that happen to us or around us have greater residence time, right? They sit with us longer before we're distracted by something else. Um, and so it, it, it continues to be a reminder that um, we've got to build in more space. You know, I, I use the word spaciousness, right? It's, it's a beautiful word. Um, and we, we don't necessarily experience as much of that as we should or would like to. Um, but as a result of all of that, I think what's really inspiring to me is that we've all had to figure out new ways of, of operating. Right. Um, the healthcare system has figured out very quickly how to scale telemedicine, as an example, how to reimburse it. Um, right. All the operational and workflow details, right, were turned on very, very rapidly. Right. And again, if, if you go back to, oh, well, that could never be done. Right. Well, we did it. <laughs> and to me, it just, it highlights the power of innovation. You know, I think about um, the great joy of being able to, you know, eat at a restaurant outside and, and how, you know, all of these restaurants now have expanded their outdoor space, right? Restaurants that didn't have it at all figured out a way to, to create these beautiful outdoor spaces. And I was reminded of how, oh my gosh, you know, I love eating outside. This just transforms my experience. And so I think um, to take a page from that, it's, it's hopefully we will forget less how innovation with the proper motivations, right, and incentives can happen. It can happen quickly. It can happen in a really profound way. Um, and sometimes we need that external <laughs> kick in the butt <laughs> to make us do this. So, you know, I guess, you know, what I don't want to, do is frame everything as doom and gloom, doom and gloom. You know, I think when we experience adversity, right, that's when great entrepreneurs get busy. They're like, they accept what it is and they decide what they're gonna do about it and they get to doing it. So it sounds like you're bullish that this pandemic and the impact it could have on health equity is likely to be a net positive and, and actually continue to move us along and maybe accelerate some of those changes. Would you agree with that or? With, with the caveat, I do. I think there is a greater proportion of people who will remain less distracted now that the pandemic has happened and will stay more intently focused on creating greater equity. I wanted to ask you too, from a personal standpoint, uh, you know, has there been, been a silver lining for you as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic? 
Yeah, and that's that's very simple. I have gotten to spend so much more time with my two kids, Brandon, who's 10, and Gabby, who's seven, um, and my wife, Jocelyn. Um, it, the time that we have had as a family, has, I, I just wouldn't trade it for the world. Right. So it, again, is another reminder that um, of what's really important, right? What's most important, and yeah, I think it's it's really encouraged Jocelyn and myself to think about how do we create more spaciousness, right, for our relationship, for our kids, you know. And and I, I guess the other thing that I've noticed in terms of an upside is productive isn't quite the right word. But I find that the outcomes that I obtain with less work have increased through the pandemic. Um, and so it, it's kind of like the personal incentive I needed. Oh, okay. You know, so it's not just the hours in. I mean, certainly that's a part of it. I share the same, same sort of uh, realizations myself, too. I've got a 16-year-old son and a, a nine-year-old daughter. And... You know, my entire career, I never have spent as much time as I have at home, never have been home for dinner at, you know, 5.30 p.m., right. you know, ever consistently. Um, yeah. And you start to realize, to your point, what's important. And I love that point that you made around the amount of work or maybe even the way you work and the outcomes, you know, that you can still generate. So it, it is fascinating. And I think, you know, probably like yourself, a lot of people want some aspects of, of you know, uh, normal back. There's also, I think in some regards, just it's changed the way uh, people mm -hmm. are going to interact and work and, um, and create that space like, like you talked about. The last thing I'd wanted to ask you is, is if there's one thought or ask that you'd have for anyone listening to this podcast, um, what would it be? I think what I would say and ask of your, your audience is to continue um, really embracing the unknown. And as a sort of follow on to that, it's, it's really about how do we grow um, as much as possible as human beings so that we can benefit more and benefit others. And so to the extent that we can continue to push ourselves out of our comfort zones to benefit others, I, I think that that's really what this time has that's the challenge that this time has, has kind of issued to us. So I will share that with your audience. Well, thank you, Dr. Michael Penn. Um, this was a great dialogue. And I want to thank everyone out there for taking the time to listen. I know I walked away and I hoped you all walked away with, uh, you know, pieces that Michael talked about around health equity, building in more space for yourself. And, and that's how you can capitalize on new opportunities coming your way. Um, the importance of human-centered thinking and design and people interacting with people, and also the thoughts on resilience. And, um, and as, as you talked about there at the end is really beginning to figure out ways to embrace the unknown um, because there's only gonna be more of that and, and the focus on self self-care. For more information about Health Equity Ventures, visit their website at www.healthequityventures.com and join us next time as we continue to bring you a healthy dose of insights and perspectives based on conversations with leaders who are transforming healthcare. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes or Spotify or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dose of Dialogue. Thank you.